You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 173. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Clark. All right, and we're back. We are still talking about the fourth turning. If you are just tuning in, make sure that you listen to part one of this episode where we describe exactly what the fourth turning is. Um... You can read all about it in this 1997 book by William House, uh, William, the, William Strauss and Neil Howe, um, which predicts, or it supposedly out. predicts a lot of things that happen to, today. So, all right, let's talk about the evaluation of, uh, my evaluation of what this book says. So we just discussed, you know, uh, what, you know what this book says, and... I'm just going to give my current thinking on how, because this is clearly not, um, it's clearly not very scientific, I would say. Um, and yeah, was, so it's hard for me to evaluate it because my, uh, you know, my Bayesian inference mind, my, my scientific method says, you know, man, I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, I was going to throw out as, as my first challenge here. Um, how, how is this different than, than what like Nostradamus uh you know, type predictions. And, and, and granted, he's, he's laid out a much uh, more comprehensive kind of uh, self-reinforcing theory here, uh, but there, there, there certainly seems to be enough room for, you can kind of make the evidence fit the theory. You can yes. cherry pick a little bit when you're looking at history. And, uh, you know, the, the proof would be in the pudding with future predictions, but is he making those kinds of predictions? Yes, yes. And, you know, there's a lot of things that happen um, uh, that, 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 that sounds very prescient in the book, but there's so much stuff in the book and some of it just doesn't seem right. Or it seems like, yes, this is right, but you kind of have to tilt it around a little bit to say that it fits. Um, that makes me a little bit nervous in terms of calling this book like a, a kind of Nostradamus. Well, no, Nostradamus is a good way. I like to, to say like, oh, it's like totally... Um, it's totally predictive because it's clearly not. On the other hand, look, we're clearly in a time that's closer to what they describe as a fourth turning than what they describe as a first turning. That is for sure. Um, So we're not living in a time of, like, you know, uh, social conformity, uh, and we're certainly not living in a time of individualism. Uh, so we're, we're living in a time of crisis. We're not certainly not having a great awakening. Um, although they do kind of put, say that there are some similarities between an awakening and a crisis sometimes. Uh, but, um, yeah, it, 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 so I feel like there are enough things that are right in here that I'm not going to throw it out as junk. Uh, I'll put it that way. And so I'm definitely going to incorporate this into my thinking, but I'll do it in a cautious way because I think, um, a lot of it is narrative building. Um, and, and the book also didn't have to be that long, like it's 300 <laughs> pages. I think we covered it in an hour. And he goes into a lot of details about all of the different, um, all of the different uh, generations and how they're expected to behave and uh, different, um, what different quotes from people in those generations. But I just feel like you could find so many quotes. It's not like that it's hard to find a boomer. Like you could, you could find so many quotes by so many people, like almost anybody that could like fit your thing that it's hard for me to, I don't know, it's hard for me to see that as, as, as sufficient evidence. Well, so I, I, I guess what would be the form of sufficient evidence to build this kind of a theory to back it up? Yeah, you know, I thought about that and I really don't know. I mean, it, so it is kind of interesting that, you know, a lot of, Historical thinkers have um, have have said the same thing, uh, but you know, Aristotle was wrong about a lot of stuff in physics, and but fortunately we had a way to test physics. So <laughs> this is really hard to test. I sort of thought, what, what data could I get to suggest this? One graph that I came up with was the debt to GDP ratio, which you could see in the uh, Revolutionary War and the Civil War, the debt to, debt to GDP ratio goes up and then it gets kind of paid off. Do, do Strauss and House say anything specifically about that? Or no. you're just saying you're looking for 80-year cycles? I'm looking for 80-year gotcha. cycles, yeah. And then, but then, of course, uh, 
once you get the Federal Reserve, that thing goes off the rails, and now we're um, now we're really we're basically at the debt GDP ratio after the war that we're supposed to be in, bef- but we're before the war. So that's that's um, well, well before the crisis. Before the crisis, there's no saying that it has yes. to be a war. I hope not. Um, yeah. So that's my question: Is there anything testable in here? And I'm not really sure how you would test something like this. I mean, this this is a, a classic problem of of history, especially you know social history like this, uh, yeah. that the the level of detailed uh, you know statistics and record keeping doesn't really go back far enough that you can make those kind of of confident highly supported conclusions yeah you 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 have to work from the available records which presents challenges yeah yeah i i also think like yes certain things in history do seem cyclical but can you have wartime and peacetime without a cycle i mean it almost seems like and is it necessarily 80 years? I feel like some of their examples, it's kind of, well, sometimes it's 100 years, and sometimes it's 70 years, and sometimes it's, it's less, but we're going to count that as uh, an awakening. You know, so it's like, mm, I'm not so sure. Uh, so, and then, and of course, they would say, well, yeah, it's, it's history. It's not, you know, it's not literally the season, so it's not going to be uh, exact, but it's like, but then how do you, how can you confirm the theory? Right. It, so, it, it weakens the predictive power. Yeah. And, and I, I suppose there is value in being able to predict the trends, even if you can't predict the exact timing. Yeah. But, but how much value, uh, that, that's a, a tricky one to answer. Yeah. So a lot of their predictions about the millennial generation also seem wrong. Um, and I think part of that is they were looking to compare us to the greatest generation. But, you know... What, a lot of the times they're comparing this fourth crisis to the World War II fourth crisis, but that was not very similar to the Civil War crisis, so why would they assume that this one is similar to the last one? So that, I think, is kind of a, a, as, a misplaced... As they say in the market, past performance is, is no indication of uh, future earnings. Yeah, so, so what they said about the millennial generation is uh, we become very civic-focused, and we're team builders. We have a cheerful patience, and... We turn against entitlements slash the old regime. I have that on page 295. And our crime is reduced. I actually think that's true until the last couple years. But um, I don't know. Would I describe the millennial generation that way, having not read the book? I mean, I guess there's a way to push us into that. I'm I'm conflicted because I don't like to think of myself as a millennial, but... Well, uh, just just talk about millennials in general. Well, it's, it's, it's hard to do that accurately, because it's it's essentially asking you to uh, work with a stereotype. Yeah, I I mean I just I a renewed civic focus. I'm trying to think like what that is. Um, I don't see, you know, I certainly don't see people having more confidence in their leaders. Uh, that's for sure. I mean, I I could interpret a renewed civic focus as as people who are are more involved with like nonprofits and okay. uh, you know being being less focused on making money and more focused on making a difference and wanting their job to also save the world um, which yeah. which I, I don't know if that's specific to millennials but that definitely seems to be the stereotype that, that that's a group that values that much more whereas Gen Xers um, are, are more kind of head down make money and uh, you know I'll, I'll I'll get my satisfaction uh, through through other venues, not through through the uh, the nature of my work. So that could be it. But that but I I feel like that 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 the civic focus of this generation is in totally the wrong areas. Like well, um, that that could very well be true. Yeah, yeah. So it could be <laughs> like oh, you know, um, all of the mask mandates and the lockdowns and you know, making sure that um, nobody. Uh, you know, everybody has the right opinions, all the woke stuff. Could that be well, I, I the civic? I, I'd be very curious to see a breakdown by by generational group of of who's in favor of what policies there. I, I haven't seen that. Yeah, and I, I, I hesitate to make. I mean, I think uh, I, I, you're right. I don't know. But yeah. Um, okay, it's millennials being directed by profits, just like they said it would. And again, yeah. it's turning well, the, very the, badly. The one that I have heard numbers <laughs> on is is that in in general, and and I don't know if, if this is specifically millennials or maybe more zo- what what we frequently call Zoomers, um, a 
a ease, a willingness to uh, give up individual rights for uh, you know co- collective benefit for 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 greater quote unquote security. Yeah, that's what we're supposed um, to be doing, and that does seem to be what we're doing. Uh, so, so I, I guess um, that kind of fits into this. this not me personally, here. but maybe maybe I'm one of the people that gets emphasized at a different time. Um, who knows? Uh, <laughs> or I could just be uh, <laughs> spitting into the wind. <laughs> um, okay. Um, a big hit that they said that during this time, no one will be interested in team culture, teen culture, except to chastise anything that offends. And I agree. You know, this what is teen culture in the year twenty twenty one? Is that so? Is is that specific to a fourth turning? Yes. Because I I, f- I feel like it's it's what's just... teen culture in nineteen forty two. That I don't know, but I feel like you know. like during the rock and roll era, you know, well, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of music in particular, that, that every generation has their new music and everyone who's older than them thinks that it's terrible and the worst thing ever and stupid. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I feel like that doesn't change with the turnings. That's pretty universal. But no, but they say that the, the music styles do change, um, that the music, musical styles do repeat. Well, but but, I, but I'm saying that, not that, exactly. Obviously, like that, we're not bringing back big band, it, but but in every turning, yeah, the the generation older than you is still going to think that that the youngest generation's music is is terrible, and yeah. and the the youngest generation is going to think that all everyone else is old fuddy daddies, and and that's not specific to whether you're in a, a you know a, an awakening or a fourth turning or or or, or the high. Yeah, I I haven't heard teen music now like what is it i haven't even heard it like it, it's i'm waiting to hear this music that i think is terrible and i don't even know what it is it never plays yeah i i, I don't think so much about the music when i think about teen culture and, and things that are being trashized it's exactly that tiktok snapchat right. maybe yeah um yeah but i there's probably some new cool thing that i haven't even heard of because yeah. i'm too old the whole thing like the, the chastise everything that offends of course is is right on um but yeah, again, they have a lot of pre, uh, predictions at the, about the previous fourth turning. Um, these guys are, are very pro-government for fourth turning. Like people rely on authority and they're like, well, you should send your kids to public schools because, you know, that's where they're going to well, so, so get the conformity to. Strassenhauer saying that, that, yeah. that government is the solution in the fourth turning, or are they saying that people are going to naturally turn towards the government? For a little solutions? bit of both. A little bit of both. They're like, well, you, ha- you should go to public schools because that's going to, um, you know, that's going to give you the, um, the, uh, the, the, the social relevance and conformity and team building that you're going to need in the fourth and first turning. Um, I think particularly for, for, for millennials they're talking about, but maybe even into the fourth turning now, because you have to remember this is written in 97, right. but it's like, yeah, I don't think they realized how bad some of these public schools were going to get. Um, so, uh, and, and they do say children will be very pro-government and, uh, are children more pro-government today than they were, um, 30, 40 years ago? Again, I don't know. Yeah, I, I I don't even know what the exactly what the metric would be we'd use to to compare that. I'm I'm sure there's some sort of surveys and studies that that look into that type of thing, but I'm not familiar with with benchmarks there. Yeah. All right, let, let's look at some of the other predictions. Um so here's an interesting quote. I'm going to I'm going to bring out this this quote because it's I think some of the, the best prediction was the one that he said wasn't going to happen. <laughs> um let me make sure I have this picture. Here it is. Right. So he's like, you can't just use the 1990s to project into the 2020s because then you'll say something like this. The 2020s would be a mere extrapolation of the 1990s with more cable channels and web pages and senior benefits and corporate free agents, plus more handgun murders, media violence, cultural splintering, political cynicism, youth alienation, partisan meanness, and distance between rich and poor. There would be no apogee, no leveling, no correction. Eventually, America would veer totally out of control along some bizarre centrifugal path. Now, not all of those things came to pass, but that wasn't as far off as he was... Uh, yeah, that, that uh, has the ring of truthiness to it, if yeah, I yeah. ever heard it. I feel like... Uh, it, and, and he was specifically saying it would be wrong to, to predict this. Well, I mean, I think part of our problem was we maybe if the 1990s weren't unraveling, we just kept on unraveling. 
And so they say if the crisis comes sooner, like it did in the Civil War, it can make the crisis worse. So maybe, maybe not. But yeah, I feel like if you unravel we, for too long, we're supposed to be firmly in the crisis period now, and we we still haven't we are distinctly a, identified what the crisis is. Well, there are lots of them. Um, the problem is none of them. Uh, none there's of them no way are, to put are the, resolving the issue. That that for, to be yeah. a true fourth turning, it needs to not just be a big old crisis. It needs to then resolve to something that allows the ascension into the nothing heart. is able to unite the country and put the country back together but look in the civil war you have to do that by force um and i feel like maybe if 9-11 came in the fourth turning then the country would indeed unite around that although now it seems like maybe we wouldn't hmm. so I, I i don't know um so we really need to just be holding out hope for aliens yeah <laughs> well i mean Hope, hopefully not. Uh, do you really think that those UFOs are, are aliens, by the way? Oh, I, I haven't even looked into the, the latest <laughs> round of things. I, you know, I think that there could be extraterrestrial life out there somewhere, but I think these UFOs are probably just um, either technology or um, illusions. Uh, I, more I, likely. I think my favorite recent take on that was, uh, and and I realize it was from a, a satirical site, but mm. uh, it was, uh, you know, NASA announces that uh, extraterrestrials uh, may not be sufficiently sexy to mate with humans. Mm. Uh, so it's e- either either someone's being uh, very pessimistic or just not trying hard enough on, on that front. <laughs> All right. So um, another point that, that some people have, have made, and um, there's a blog post on this, and also an episode on this in the What Bitcoin Did podcast, uh, which I will link to as well. Let me write this down. What Bitcoin Did podcast. Uh, the the host of whom you have had on the show previously, I believe. Yep, Peter McCormick. And uh, I don't remember who the guest was who talked about this. But basically, they were saying, yeah, one of the institutions that is unraveling and failing is the institution of money in this country. And now you have each successive administration printing, let's say, double of what the last one did in increasing the money supply. And it's becoming, uh, uh, it's becoming increasingly kind of funny money. And what that does is that gives certain people in the economy a very unfair advantage. It increases wealth inequality. It basically, because you know, inflation on its own doesn't hurt you. Like infl- if, if, okay, everyone who has $10 now has $100. Every contract, you just 10x everything you add is zero. That doesn't change your life at all. The problem is some people, when there's inflation, uh, the political class essentially um, and the, the, uh, the, 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 the big, big corporations get, those, get that money first. And so it kind of sucks value out of the middle class and the... Um, the the, uh, the the people who are low income are trying to save basically, so um, they're like, well, we need to have sound money, and we need to build a new uh, a new system based on sound principles that is uh, you know is um, uh, that, that that is the new institution that'll create the the, the first turning, and he's like, well, uh, Bitcoin was invented just at the dawn of the fourth turning, maybe that's not a coincidence. So I, I mean, I like that theory because that's the one theory that says that this fourth turning is going to turn out well and that, you know, the, the, the winners are going to be uh, the good guys, essentially. Um, but what do you think about that? Theory? So, so yeah, if, if, if the crisis of this fourth turning is an economic one um, in, in the it sense seems of, like it's of been. the money supply, yeah. uh, what... What might the 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 tipping point, the the final crisis there be that that causes us to uh, to to resolve the the conflict? Hyper Bitcoinization, basically. But, but, but I feel like something something has to trigger that to happen. Something dramatic. Yes. And and I I'm having trouble picturing what that could be. I suppose if I could picture it, then I would be a savant. You know, I I'd, I'd be able to see the future. So it's it shouldn't be surprising that I can't. But okay, uh, let's. Let, let me put it this way then. Um, so uh, it, it, it starts with out of control inflation, let's say, and um, the government 
goes through several upheavals. And finally, after like a hundred years, you get someone in there who says, we're going to resort to sound money. And instead of fighting this Bitcoin thing, we're just going to accept it and put it on our balance sheet. And that'll be that, that, that that's our money now. Um, and then, and then that's something that everyone can get behind because even though Bitcoin is sometimes tarnished as like, I've heard Bitcoiners um, tarnished in the way, you know, our political debates is like, oh, so-and-so is a racist, so-and-so is a horrible person. And people try to do that with Bitcoiners too, sometimes well-deserved, like, you know, not as some, there are scammers in there, you know, whatever. But um, I think in the end, people are just going to realize this is just math and it's objective and after all the craziness that we've been through in the 2020s, let's say it's like 2028 now, it's just like, this is the only thing we could trust because all the other institutions have failed us. So, yes, I think it's hard to say. I guess I didn't give you an ex the exact answer that you wanted. Well, but I, I think the thing that you got to that, that, that's helping me flush it out in my brain is yeah. uh, it, it would not be a purely economic, you know, that, that because, mm. I mean... Nothing happens in a vacuum. Uh, so in order for this to happen, uh, there would be all sorts of other upheaval and, and crises that go along with it. Um, so you said, you know, uh, a, a, lot of, a lot of turnover in, in leadership and government and, and crises there that yeah. maybe are, are a result of the economic factors here. But it's not like and something's going to happen purely on, you know, on Wall Street and at the Fed uh, and the Treasury that all of a sudden is going to tip this over. It's, it's going to involve all aspects of society. Yeah. And, and you know, wh whether or not that involves rioting in the streets and, and, uh, uh and, and, and literal, literal, uh, spilling of blood or not, uh, is, is TDB uh, t to be determined, but, but it, it could very well. Yeah. Just because it's economic doesn't mean that that's all off the table. Right. Right. But, it, but it actually could, could end without all that stuff. I mean, it seems like some of that stuff is going on like as we speak in the right. last few days, but hopefully not not in a large scale. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm going to link to that because that is a fascinating idea. Uh, another one, so what does this mean for the 2020s? When does the fourth turning end? It's hard to say. Um, if we are coming up this year on the 80th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. Um, so I think that the... Saclum is usually a little longer than 80 years. I think from Pearl Harbor to, um, to uh, uh, the Fort start Sumter. of the Civil War was almost exactly 80 years, but I think that to the start of the Revolutionary War was maybe a little bit more. So let's say it's 85 years, so maybe we have five years until we have that big event, okay? Uh, so, um, yeah, we could be in the, in, in the, in the years of the, the run-up to, or it could just happen this year. You know, we don't know. Uh, it could happen tomorrow. Right. So if you're going by the 80-year uh, cycle, like their example here was like, hey, Catalyst happens in 2005, which they, the, you know, people are now claiming, oh, that's the, uh, that's the housing um, crash. I'm not sure. Which that was, was that actually 2008 was yeah. when the crash happened? Yeah, 7-8. Uh, and then they're saying, oh, the climax happens in 2020 and the resolution 2026. And you, you might say, ah, oh, coronavirus 2020. But... I'm not so sure. I'm still open to the idea that it hasn't happened yet, um, just because I feel like we are still, like, there, there's still not, uh, we're still jumping from thing to thing. Every, every few months, I feel like there's another big thing to be outraged about that everyone's going crazy over. And the fact that people don't have a long uh, media attention span and, you know, it's all like, you know, one week we're hearing January 6th. That's all we're going to hear about for the rest of our lives. Um, and now it's like, you know, wait, what happened that day? Um, you know, or COVID, you know, we're going to defeat this like World War II. We're going to, I mean, yes, Biden is really into that. Like this is this generation's war. Well, now that we're all vaccinated and, you know, people don't have to yell at each other about masks and elevators anymore. Um, Okay, like people are screwed up now. So what happens when they get together? But I think it's going to be something else. I, I don't know. I feel like all this is definitely leading up. I, I'm still waiting for the other shoe to drop. I don't know about you. Yeah, even if if somehow we could wave a magic wand and you know COVID was was wiped off the earth. You know, no one ever uh, had a confirmed case ever again. 
that 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 doesn't feel like it would be a segue into a a, fir- a first turning. No, uh, no, no, because our institutions have not been uh, rebuilt. Right. Um. So, yeah. Uh, if if anything, they've just been further weakened. Exactly. Exactly. So they, so something else needs to come along to 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 fully I, break them. And it does feel like something something will because I the the. The path we're on now is not sustainable. Like one of the things that I say, okay, maybe um, you know, maybe the this new ideology, like it's called whatever you want to call it, the woke ideology, maybe that wins the fourth turning. Um, but um, I, is that sustainable? Does that sustain into a first turning? I'm. Uh, could you have like a, a woke fifties? I'm not. I'm not sure it's sustainable in that way, but maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. We'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, I, uh, I I haven't given enough thought to really wrap my head around yeah. that. I mean, it's it's partially a horrifying thought, but you know, I I don't. Well, so so I so don't think that's what's going to happen. I'm, I'm tempted to think about the Russian example, and so you, yeah. you, you said before that they're they're kind of out of phase with the rest of of Europe and and certainly right. with uh with with America, uh, but if if their fourth turning was the Russian Revolution in 1917. Uh, then, would would the the you know twenties and thirties have been their their high? I I feel like not so much because I I think they struggled pretty hard in that period. Yeah, I mean it's Russia. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose if they weren't struggling, it wouldn't be Russia. That's yeah. that's that's a fair assessment. Yeah, because uh, because they didn't really seem to get their stuff together until maybe the late thirties, and and then they got slammed with the war. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess. You're right. But then of course that's sort of, I feel like there, there was a fourth turning in, in Russia followed by another fourth turning elsewhere in the Soviet Union that kind of, they, they kind of got a one, two punch of fourth turnings. <laughs> yeah. They got a one, two punch of fourth turnings. That's uh that's a good way of, of putting it. Um, and so I think that that could happen, especially when you have lots of different societies interacting that are all out of phase. Um, so that's why, I mean, they say here that it doesn't work for other countries, which again, it kind of weakens, they have a plausible reason why it doesn't, but it also kind of weakens the theory. So, yeah, uh, I, 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 I didn't read that section, but how, how much of that was, was kind of on the American exceptionalism, Anglo tradition lines and, and uh, no, it's more like the, the self-contained non-contaminated gotcha. type, uh, thing. Um, and some of the some of the earlier fourth turnings in in British history are also very interesting, like um, Spanish Armadas coming to get you, and you have to beat that. And then there's like the War of the Roses was before that. And um, all I know from the War of the Roses is it was basically like Game of Thrones, and you had <laughs> indeed you know, Tyrion in there sending dragons. And I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, how how did the uh... Well, I, I guess it was the 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 tail end of the fourth turning in France was so there there was the French Revolution followed by the yeah. Napoleonic era and that was all lumped together into their fourth turning and, and ending in like what is it eighteen fifteen when they get rid of Napoleon right. and that was during our uh, first turning which right. was our our post revolutionary high yeah it was like the so we had a long first turning there it was like a the the constitutional era followed so it wasn't really a nineteen fifties. You know, again, it's not always like 1950s. It was like, okay, you and and it wasn't without war because we had the War of 1812 right in there. Which yeah, which but was the, our, no, our but first that's post. Uh, that's a great example of a first turning war. Yeah, a perfect example of a first turning war. It's just it it confirms the previous result. Um, I, I, I guess that does make a good an- analog to to yeah. Korea. Yeah, yeah, um, but it but it wasn't like the 1950s. It was more like okay, you know, we we have this crazy. Fourth turning institutions are being built. Uh, you have the Articles of Confederation and all that. And I think that the Constitutional Convention would have been like the first turning. Yeah, I, I like think they think they mark that as the the end of the fourth, the beginning of the first. Yeah, is, yeah. Is and so now you have now you have a stronger f- central government um, with um, with uh, George Washington and the Federalists. Now they also count the era of good feelings, which is like 30 years later, as also part of the first turning. So maybe have a really long first turning, or you know maybe they had part of the uh, awakening in uh, bleeds into that era of good feeling. I don't know, um, but um, again, it's the, right. So the timeline gets a little bit gets a little bit off. Um, 
but uh, definitely like, I mean, my knowledge of American history, you know, again, I'm, I'm, I have strong opinions about like political stuff that's going on now. When I express an opinion about stuff that happened hundreds of years ago, I'm way more open to changing it just because I know so little about it. But, but my feeling is like once we get to Andrew Jackson, things are very different. Um, and that's sort of where I think like I'm actually very – I sort of recognize Thomas Jefferson's party as the left-wing party of its time, but I'm very sympathetic toward that party. I think that was one of the uh, few eras in the American history where the left was, was, was good or even better than the other party. But right. Th- well, and, and Jackson is generally seen as the, uh, I, I think the turning of point of that. Of that, yeah, that was that was the end yeah. of the the Democrat Republicans. Uh, yeah. In the sense that Jefferson would have known them. Yeah. So I think, and interestingly enough, all the most of the times in history where I think the left were the good guys were first turnings. Um, hmm. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but we can go into all of that. Um, so maybe in ten years I will be. Well, a so, staunch Democrat. So how does FDR fit into that? Uh, well, he was he, he was, was fourth turning, turning, right? Yeah. And and I mean, would would it be incorrect to refer to him as as left? Uh, yes. I, I, I would. Uh, I would. The Democrats at the time was, were the were the left party. Yeah. Um, I would say I'd be more sympathetic to like Kennedy in yeah. 1960. Um, or you know, and, and, and I guess that was the 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 tail end of sure of the first turning. Sure, and even Truman tried to have another New Deal-type situation, but Did, honestly, Didn't have the, the now, capital to make it happen. Look, there are also a lot of problems during the first turn. I mean, I guess Eisenhower was pretty good, but you could also point to, like, <laughs> every president in American history you could point out. Like, I know, like, all the libertarians are listening, like, look at all the bad things all these presidents did. <laughs> and I, I get it. I get it. Uh, but it, it's just it's, it's a comparison. It, the thing. implication it, it's implied when we say president that they did yeah. ter- terrible, terrible things. We yeah. don't have to say it explicitly every time. Yeah, but you could also say you know some were better leaders than others, and this book is these people are like pro government, like they live in D.C. So I understand what it's like to write for, you know, sometimes you're writing for the people in power to say, hey, check this out, where it's like. When by the way. I think you could still have a theory of this where it's like, you know, these are more about social attitudes than about, like, you don't have to give up your political point of view just because it's a different turning, but you can adopt your political point of view. Like, you could be a libertarian in a very individualistic time, or you could be a libertarian in a very um, conformist time. It doesn't matter in terms of, like, you know, the... The, the use of force against individual rights. But you will about, likely be fighting uh, different specific flashpoint battles exactly. on the political front there, Exactly, and you'll definitely the, would the tailor right. your message very differently. Same for conservatives, same for liberals, all that. So, um, so, and that's one of the lessons they give, which I think is, is kind of important to understand. It's also, if you're not into politics, it's true for marketing campaigns as well. I mean, actually, one of the interesting ones was, um, you know... Um, there, there was a, a trend where the movies that were popular about like, were like about demon children. Uh, so like The Exorcist and, and uh, oh God, what was the one with Damien? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And at su- that must have been during like the second turning. Yeah, that, that so, was... So the Awakening? Yeah, yeah. That's when uh, Gen X was growing up and being ignored. You're like, demon children. Was, was that also when the, the, the big D&D scare happened? What, what's that? I don't know. Oh, the, the the Dungeons and Dragons, and there there was uh, a a moral panic about it was like actually like dark magic, and people were getting like uh, pe- people were basically being tricked into committing suicide or or murdering what? people. Y- y- yeah, it, crazy stuff. But but people believed it back in in uh, I I I don't know if that timeline matches up with the with the awakening. Uh, yeah, in the the what would have been late late sixties, early seventies. So any so yeah. So anyway, um, basically, right. So so by millennials came around us, and all of a sudden they like kids again, is what the book is saying. So the culture hated children. Sorry, Gen X. I actually think Gen X is going to save us in all this because they seem to be the most <laughs> they seem to be the most sensible. But anyway, and and I think I have more. Um, in common with Gen X, the millennial 
uh, as well, even though I'm, I'm, I'm a bit younger. But the point of that was, okay, all these movies come out about demon children, right? Way up to, up to Problem Child or whatever in the 80s. Then the third turning rolls around. Now, do you think those, um, the people making the movies, do you think they were saying, well, all of these uh, movies about, um, uh, about demon children are doing really well at the box office, but I think the times are changing. Let's stop making them. No, they didn't. <laughs> they kept making them. But the interesting thing that happened was they stopped selling. People didn't want to go there anymore. And, and it's, so it's not like people willfully decided it was just it was consumer trends. So, a lot, so this is not just about selling politics. It's about selling consumer trends as well. Um, and, and I thought that was an interesting example. So th then, they, then all of a sudden, in, in the popular movies, children became uh, the good guys. Um, I'm trying to think of an example of that, but, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, okay. So, uh, what else? What else does this book say? Adapting to the changing times. Did, did we talk about The Great Champion? Oh, yeah. I, I missed The Great Champion. Right. So, The Great Champion is um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, Gandalf, Moses. The, the yeah. wise mentor. Yeah, from the prophet generation. And generally, it's a political leader that comes along that uh, the heroes kind of grab onto. And I look around and I don't see one. But it's clear that the millennial generation does like to latch on to really old people. So <laughs> you got that right. Um, anywhere from, uh, well, let's start with Ron Paul. And, but then, of course, you know, Joe Biden and Trump to an extent, uh, Bernie Sanders, of course, Bernie Sanders well, so, is in there. So, so would this be part of Dr. Of, Fauci? No, yeah, yeah. I'm not just saying. You know, I'm not saying I like all these people, but I'm saying like, yes, I feel like there's a sort of a yearning for this old guy as like the paragon of uh, leadership, which is is it's kind of glorified in the past. Like, where's our Winston Churchill, or uh, from in the UK example? But I mean. Okay, I know. I'm not going to go through, and I'm not. I, I know I'm going to be accused of everything for bringing everyone up, but you know what I mean, okay? And um, and it, so it's sort of like, but but none of these leaders tend to stick. Yeah. So in in we certainly saw in the last round of of presidential primaries that it seems, and maybe 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 Gen X just isn't isn't old enough, but it it seems like there's there's no. The, the, the young bench of politics is failing to get people to the fore. Uh, yeah. And so we're, we're ending up with, with people who uh, are, are uh, much more seasoned, would perhaps be a generous way of putting it, uh, and uh, recycled uh, would be a less generous way, that they've, they've, they've been through this and they haven't cut the mustard before, but they're what we've got left now, and so we're, we're going to go for them. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I think... I don't think we have the great champion. They they well, they paint FDR as like the quintessential great champion that you know comes in and changes the whole political system. And then it's like, yes, some people are saying that that's what Biden's doing now, but I just I don't see it. Um, but I guess we'll we'll find out what people are going to say in you know we'll know in a few years, don't we? Yeah, I, I, I'd have to think of the analogies uh, to, to who, who I would more accurately uh, draw, draw the lines from, from Biden. They could also be the fairly past, authoritarian, but... which, I, which I guess a lot of leaders are these days. So, um, yeah. I, when they talk about the type of great champion leader, I see some of Biden and some of Trump. Well, uh, but I don't think they either fit the bill entirely. So we'll see what happens. It could just be an archetype that uh, doesn't show up. Or shows up late. Well, so so I hesitate to do this, but since I already goodwinded us in part one of the episode, yeah, um, would Hitler have been a great champion for Germany? Where, what Oof. generation does he fit into? No, he was a he was a gen he was not a Gen X. But he, was, he, was he was a nomad, lost generation. Oh, yeah, authoritarian. Okay. Yeah, they say that could have happened too. You could get kind of um, uh, you could get kind of a an authoritarian type from from that generation, but that's not the great champion. Uh, but sometimes you can get a leader from, from kind of the middle-aged generation. 
Um, what was a good example of that? Uh, so sort of a, a good example, almost the opposite of Hitler would be like George Washington. Right, what? because we, we were talking about this before we started recording, that uh, e- even though he was active very much in the same era as Jefferson, that, that he was a generation older, that, that he was, you know, Je- Jefferson was, was very much a young man uh, at the time of, of the revolution and the Declaration yeah. of Independence, uh, whereas uh, George Washington had already had a military career behind him. He'd fought in the French and Indian War during the third turning. Right, uh, and and so he was he was the elder statesman. He, he was uh, uh, he he fits this yes. this great champion. I role. believe he made a mistake in that war that kind of uh, 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 kicked off a world war. It's like oops, <laughs> uh, but um, no, uh, yeah, I think who who would be in the who would be in the prophet generation there? Maybe Ben Franklin. Um, I'm just not sure. Actually, they've got a list here. Aha, uh-huh. right? Yeah. I mean, he he he's certainly depicted as being significantly older. Uh, and what yeah, with his, his old man womanizing in France days as, yeah, yeah, as yeah. ambassador. Uh, okay, so... Do, 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 do. It's, okay. it's tough to judge sometimes because um, uh, completely yes. on a tangent here. Benjamin Franklin, uh, Sam Adams, okay, yep. and uh, Crispus Attucks. Really? Yeah. I, I never think about how old he is because he's most known for being killed. Yeah, so he would have been... Oh, I thought he was like a young guy. He yeah, was the guy. That was my he was the first guy killed in the Boston Massacre. I believe so. Yeah. So he would have probably been. Well, I don't know exactly. Was, was when. Boston Massacre was that 1760s? Okay, yeah, I was. I was gonna say I thought it was before the 1770s, but I couldn't remember exactly which year. But they say born 1701 to 1723, oh, wow. so he could have been like 40, 40 or 50. Um, okay, so yeah, uh, I, I, I guess. I don't know. I, I don't. The great champion thing is interesting. He spends a whole. There's a whole chapter on that here, but I don't. I just don't see it as relevant these days, other than to understand why millennials are voting for very old people <laughs> or looking for very old mentors as kind well, of a. Are, are are there are there people of that generation who are are prominent outside of politics? Yeah, like. I'm assuming that that so they'd be boomers, are like Bill Gates and and Jeff Bezos. Those are boomers, right? Uh, or Bill Gates is. Jeff Bezos might be a little younger. Um, yeah, I think I feel like Jeff Bezos might be more Gen X, but I'm not sure. Um, uh, obviously, um, uh, and I'm completely blanking on his name, but uh, Facebook. Uh, he's he's a, a millennial. Yes. Um, Let's just call him Mr. Facebook. I don't need that name <laughs> on my podcast. Um, yeah, so there, there's, uh, yeah, there are not, all, well, okay, Tim, uh, <laughs> Tim Apple, <laughs> Tim Cook. <laughs> well, because you, you, you mentioned his, his, uh, his predecessor. Uh, right. And, and uh, being from the prophet generation. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, Steve Jobs. But I, I feel like he's an example of an entrepreneur who put the awakening to use, hmm. if that makes sense. No, I think it does make sense. He put the awakening to use by infusing um, uh, spiritual ideas into uh, technology. Let's put it that way. Interesting. Yeah. So, um, okay. Uh, and And... Steve Jobs is um, a very interesting character. I can't say, you know, he didn't seem like the the nicest boss in the world, <laughs> but um, honestly, th- th- kind of a, a brilliant thinker. I'd, I'd sort of be interested to know what he would have to say about the, the tech trends of today if he were alive, not just what, what's happened at Apple, but just like the nature of work, the nature of big tech. Who I don't know what he would have... Um, what he would have to say about it. Uh, but um, uh, it's, it's sort of something that I think about sometimes. But yeah, it, again, I, I think your question remains. Like, there doesn't seem to be any obvious answer. And because people are living so long, like, we're supposed to be in the middle of the crisis where the boomers are the oldest generation, but you still have, uh, like, they're like, oh, the silent generation kind of falls away. Like, no, we have a president in the silent generation. We still have... Um, Lots of people in the silent generation who are highly influential. Um, uh, the 
I was going to say the Koch brothers, but I think there was, there's who's the one that's remaining? I think David Koch uh, passed away. Ooh, oh, yeah, I'm not sure. The other Koch brothers still around. Um, George Soros, all those people who are a silent generation. Even like Charlie Munger, who's commenting on, you know, on Bitcoin and saying how he doesn't like it. Very wealthy uh, billionaire from, um, from uh, Berkshire Hathaway. And I was going to comment on Reddit, like, you know, someone's like, ah, that's boomer thinking. I'm like, he's too old to be a boomer. He's a silent. And I was like, no, he's older than that. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's part of the GI generation. Okay. So he's like yeah. 97 years old. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. Well, I mean, even if he's wrong, it's pretty cool that, um, you know, he's, he's part of the World War II generation and gets to comment on Bitcoin. But uh, still, <laughs> it's like there are so many elderly, elderly people, even older than they're supposed to be, who are very influential in our society that might be kind of screwing this up, screwing up the script a little bit. So I, I, I want to come back to the great champion thing in just yeah. a second. But, but your, your mentioning of that with uh, uh, and, and also I think previously you talked about, you know, kind of the, the measuring of the, the oldest person, you know, who influenced you. Being yes. A measure there. Uh, it, it reminded me there's, there's a tidbit and I don't have the numbers in front of me, but uh, it, it there's there's like a, a trivia question about when did the last civil war widow die, right? Uh, and it is far far further into the 20th century than you would have thought because it was it was a guy who fought in the civil war relatively young, yeah. Uh, and then late in life he married a young woman, and so you know when he died she then went on to live like another 50 years beyond that, and and so it was it was well into the the 20th century that the last no. civil war widow died. No 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 not. You know, uh, it's even De- more than that. December six twenty. Wait, December sixteenth, twenty twenty. This year. What? What? Yeah. Helen Viola Jackson was the last surviving widow of a Union soldier and the last surviving widow of a Civil War veteran overall. She died on December sixteenth, twenty twenty, at the age of one hundred. Okay, so that's that's even further than I thought. Uh, but but it just goes to show yeah. that that. With, with with slightly longer than average lifespans, uh, you you can you can stretch that that you know from the beginning of one life to the end of another life that it that it directly impacted pretty far. Right, and it makes you it makes you kind of think about like history in a, in a more interesting way. Like they point out, like think of the oldest person you know, and then think of the youngest person you're going to know and how long they're going to live. That's going to span. Um, let's just assume lifespans are similar. That's going to span longer than the time than the United States has been around. That's pretty mind-boggling. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And of course, if, if for, for me, if I talk about, I knew someone who's born in 1899, he could have, you know, he could have met a Civil War veteran easily. Oh, almost certainly. Yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, I guess there were people, or, I mean, I, there's video from the 1950s of someone who uh, is, is being interviewed um, who uh, who witnessed the Was Lincoln the getting, assassination? Getting, oh, the assassination. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at at age four, and he's he's there on um, he's there on TV in 1850. And in the during the Civil War, they there there was a journalist who was interviewing people who met George Washington. That's that's mind-boggling. So it is. Yeah, it, it, it's it it makes you feel like oh my god this stuff is a, is a lot closer than yeah and i i think about this in genealogy too like you could really pass this on you know you can kind of um it's almost like you know in in finance is the concept of leverage you could take your lifetime but uh also kind of leverage that up so you have <laughs> <laughs> you, you can uh, expand uh uh before your life and after your life and kind of bridge the gap um if, if if that makes sense, I, I know that wasn't very specific. So but. so let me let me pull us back in here. Okay. Uh, the, the great champion. So so yeah. did we did we say already that FDR was a great champion? Yes. So how does the New Deal fit into that? Because um, because I, I mean that 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 occurred in a fourth turning. We I, I, yeah I don't that, know if that's we explicitly when the... said it, but but the the talk about you know is is our fourth turning going to be like the previous one? Why might it not? Uh, but but. The, the obvious conclusion to jump to there might be something like the Green New Deal, but primarily because it's it's yeah it's explicitly invoking FDR. But and they say in this book would, the next New Deal. But who who would be the champion of the Green New Deal? Because if it's Biden. Oh, mm, 
okay, maybe. Uh, look, that's one way well, things could I, work I, out. I was, I was going to make think... the point that that uh, that uh, Ocasio Cortez uh, is certainly not of the right generation to be a great champion. No, is she is she X or is she millennial? No, no, she's younger. She's millennial. She's a millennial. Okay, yeah. so 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 perhaps she is. Uh, she, she's she's. One of one of one of the soldiers uh, on the ground marching to to Biden's great champion orders there. Yeah, yeah. In, in that metaphor, I no, but I think I hesitate to see him as the champion of, of something like that. But but maybe yeah. m- maybe history will tell it differently. Yeah, I mean, we um, I I feel like okay, we we can um, we can go into the question here of like who wins the fourth turning, because I feel like these days. There have almost been like three or four times where one group has been like, that's it. We did it. We won the fourth turning. And of course, they don't put it in those terms. Although Steve Bannon, Trump's uh, advisor when he was running, was into this stuff. But apparently Trump wasn't interested or wouldn't have it. Uh, So, uh, uh, so, um, but anyway, I, I, so... We, we've heard a lot about, like, you know, we are on the right side of history, we'll win the future, we'll be in power forever. And I think by, by power forever, they don't mean forever, but, you know, take the Civil War, for example. Yeah, slavery is abolished. There's some backsliding after that, for sure, but, like, come on, the change is massive. Um, and, and same with the New Deal. Um, but now we have, uh, okay, like... Obama comes in in 08. There's like, though, this is permanent. And the backlash happens like almost immediately, like a year in. And, you know, the same happens, uh, kind, same happens with Trump. It looks like the same might happen this time. Uh, I, 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 I don't know. Now, when you, when you say backlash, you're talking about, you know, political flip, flipping of, how, of, of yeah. houses of Congress uh, in the midterm. Yeah, yeah, but it's, not just that, but just like a stymie of, you know, one thing is popular, then it's not popular, and another thing is popular, then it's not popular, and there's no, there's no, there's no goal to work towards, um, and and it's almost like we're it's almost like we're on a, a wheel of fortune or some crazy game, like where will the wheel stop? That's where you're gonna live with. Where will the wheel stop? But um, well, pr- it, and, and we keep thinking it's happen. going. Yeah. So, so like right right now, the the impression is that things are so close to a fifty fifty split in what people want. Yeah. Uh, that that it's easy to oscillate back and forth. Yeah. Uh, presumably, the the conclusion of the fourth turning, something will occur that that causes the the populace at large to to coalesce around one of those those two world views. And so it's not going to be a 50-50 split. It'll it'll at least be enough that there's a solid majority for for something moving forward so that the restructuring of institutions can occur rather than ping-ponging back and forth between, you know, every administration kind of rolling back the 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 changes or or improvements yeah. of the past one. Um I I don't know what that is that that causes that whether it's a a shift of of people right. from one side to the other or a a redrawing of of what the the paradigm is but it's i mean and and i think i think democrats will um not like what i'm going to say but they're going to understand what <laughs> it's going to hit too close to home where it's like the 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 democrat side of the aisle the left keeps on thinking they're about to win it there, we're about to get that permanent majority, and then it turns out, oh, that just didn't quite happen this time. Uh, next time we'll get it. And then it's, it's like, it must be very frustrating for them because they don't, because um, it, hasn't, it hasn't quite gotten there. So I feel like there has to be, uh, oh, that's turned off. Uh, do, well, that's all right. Um, I feel like there has to be some kind of a, a resolution there. Right, there, there's there's uh, predicting the inevitable, and it never quite surfaces, and and that can't go on forever. Something is going to, yeah, well, like you said, the other shoe has to drop eventually, but we yeah. just don't know what that's going to look like. And that's why you know, um, something involving the, uh, the the crypto economy, Bitcoin, but also the decentralization of big tech and all of that could be a big part of it because it's a little bit less partisan, and um, you know. Maybe it's a direction we can go in where um, people are not um, going to be so dug in and divided. I don't know. 
Yeah, I, I wonder if that's almost diametrically opposed to because the, 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 the path out of the fourth turning into the first turning uh, is, is uh, conformity and, and it almost sounds like a, a coalescing of, of government power. Uh, yeah. That, that, that seems the opposite of, of what you were proposing there, but, but maybe that is something that a, a, new, uh, a new consensus could coalesce around. Right. It could be, it doesn't have to be a conformity of government power. It could be just more of a, um, just a kind of a social conformity. Hmm. Um, you know, uh, so it would look very different from the 50s, but I don't know. Does the 50s look like the Gilded Age, or does it look like, you know, the Washington well, administration? No, none of these things it, look similar it, it at all. It depends who you ask, because, yeah. the, the, you know, in, in, 20, in 2016, uh, that was, uh, depending on who you ask, that, that may or may not have been the, uh, the, America, the great America to which uh, Trump wanted to return us. Uh, hmm. And if you ask some other people, uh, yeah, the 1950s were not so great for a lot of Americans. Yeah. And, and you know, so the, there's, I, I guess that's the other thing that I, I don't know if I explicitly said this or not or, or just alluded to it. But there's there's a lot of rose-colored glasses and, you know, the, the victors uh, write the history that uh, certainly flows into this, this, this model here. Um, and I don't know how you disentangle that, um, that, that it's... Uh, and and I mean that's that's the the job of professional historians. So so presumably Strauss and Howe have good insight into that. Um, but I, I could see that easily tinting their their view of what these these cycles look like. That that it's it's very yeah. much colored by who won the the fourth turning. And so uh, also they, they're they, they're they have very the ability to write the previous turnings the way they wanted. They're very overly political and government focused. Hmm. Um, just because. I believe they live in D.C. and are writing for a D.C. audience. And so that causes them to focus on things that wouldn't necessarily be my focus all the time. I mean, I, I love politics, as you know, but it's like, you know, there's uh, well, I think a lot of the best stuff happens outside politics. Presumably, people who are at the levers of power would be very interested in this type of thing. And, right. and so this could be valuable to them, um, yeah. which which raises the question. Uh, we, we are not sitting at the levers of power. We are not in D.C., or, yeah. or wherever the future capital of these United States might be, uh, what do we do with this information? How do we use this in okay. our daily life? So, first of all, I'm going to go back to the example with the um, with the with the movies changing. Um, you know, Demon Children is in now. All of a sudden, Demon Children is not in. So you can kind of use this even if you're not in in politics. If you're just in marketing or sales or investing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can use some of this framework to try to f anticipate where the future is going to go or, you know, what type of, uh, for me, I'm going to think about this in terms of what type of technology to build, what type of consumer applications to invest in. I don't know what the, uh, I don't know what the um, takeaway is exactly in that, but I want to think about that a little more because I think it does, uh, there are lessons to be taken here on how to build a consumer app. Or not how to build a consumer app, but like what? What consumers want? Yeah, yeah. Where, um, where the what? What direction society is going to go in? Um, also, in terms of like preparing for more crises, because I think most people would agree with me that we're not out of the woods yet. There are definitely specific examples in the book of what you can do, but it's but a lot of it is like you know have very close friend and family connections, um, you know, make sure you have multiple sources of income, you know, all sorts of, um, all sorts of kind of good idea things that you should have during a crisis it, that it, are probably it, good practice anyway. It sounds like yeah. we, we just started a Tom Woods commercial there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I could, I could probably read, read some more stuff, but, uh, uh, you know, you can get the book and, and give their give their takeaways. But I think some of the takeaways are that, like, hey, if there's going to be a bunch of upheaval in society, you know, uh, I, I think then it's like, okay, there, there are things I could do to prepare personally. Um, could you prepare for, could you have foreseen COVID? No, but um, if you were uh, dependent on one thing for your income, uh, I guess in some cases you might be in a position where there's not much you can do. 
but I guess everyone just yeah. does what they well, can. And, and, and we've, we've mentioned COVID at least once or twice now. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, oh, oh, another thing in this book is like, that's why if COVID happened like 40 years ago, people had just been like, eh, yeah, nothing. Because <laughs> we are in a fourth turning mo- mood, mode, which is everything is an overreaction in the fourth turning. Um, and I, I can't say I disagree with that prediction. Well, I, I was just thinking that the the previous pandemic that is most compared to COVID was the the 1918 flu, uh, yeah. which which would have been in a third turning. Right. Um, so so very different from that perspective. But how how different was the pandemic itself? Um, so I, 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 mean, I think maybe that that could be useful in, in in thinking about how we reacted to it and the impact that it's had on on us socially, politically, uh, economically. Yeah. I mean, it's. So I don't generally look at that stuff in terms of the, the saculum trends. I, I mean, I just like just looking at it in terms of coming back to linear time. Like we had modern times where um, governments didn't really react to pandemics that much until recently. It seems like each one were reacting more and more. Um, now, people, individuals reacted to the 1918 pandemic. There were certainly masks, but it wasn't uh, you know, government federal government didn't do anything, um, surprisingly, very little. So I don't know. Uh, if I mean, there was a pandemic during the Revolutionary War. That didn't, I mean, that was a big concern, of course, but I think it was, what was it? Was it smallpox? That, so, that would be period correct, but I, I don't recall. Yeah. Okay, I don't, there could have been multiple ones. Um, so I... Uh, I don't know, but the, but the reaction uh, and policies put in place seem to be consistent with hmm. fourth turning. So, um, I, I, again, who wins the fourth turning? Is it, I mean, it, uh, part of me says, like, it, it, God, it could go so many different ways. So, so like, this this is maybe getting a little bit far afield. But. What if what if like the what if critical race theory is the conformity that we're expected to go by in the first turning? Like, I don't know. That could happen. Yeah, and and, and I'm not really sure uh, how to how to how to prepare for that. What what action you take there to to thrive in that environment? <laughs> I mean, I I don't know, but I don't know if there is a okay. What do you do if the fourth turning if the fourth turning doesn't go your way? I guess you know. I guess the good thing about the first turning is you know you're kind of going to be allowed to just go back to work. Yeah. You well, know? I mean, so so Germany uh, is came 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 out of uh, the last the last cycle. They're 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 strong now, but they had a long hard road to uh, yeah to to something to, like that could happen. Down. Something that could happen. I mean, it, it, it took them at least half of a, of a saculum to, to basically re, rebuild. I mean, it, or even I, I'd say that West three, Germany three was quarters. doing pretty well during the, during the late Cold yeah. War, but but then after the fall of, of the wall, uh, it, it took them a while to to reintegrate and, and get all that yeah. back up. And, the East Side still had a uh, rubble from World War II. Yeah. Um, but um, look, I actually don't think this thing is going to end that badly. Um, if, that, if that's going to be positive. Oh, it's not going to end that badly. Oh, it could get pretty bad. No, I actually think that um, my running theory is that um, the technologies that we're building uh, in terms of Bitcoin, in terms of other kind of blockchain slash decentralized technologies that are going around the gatekeeper, I think that uh, and yes, there's a little bit of a contradiction here where they're decentralized technology, but I think they're going to lead to the new institutions upon which the new social order will be created. And it could for a time be a more conformist social order, but it will be on top of a much stronger foundation that could lead to better social change in the next awakening. So I'm I'm sure there's a lot more we could say, but uh, let's let's go out on that positive note. Yeah, yeah. I want that's why I was trying to read it because because I wanted to go out on the positive note, and that's why I want to talk about that stuff a lot more on the podcast because I kind of want to nudge things in that direction uh, if we can, uh, and, and I will uh, next week as well because I'm talking to uh, the um, 
founder of Odyssey, lives here in New Hampshire, and is a uh, um, is. Uh, is, is decentralizing YouTube. So that's very exciting. And, um, and this is not just, you know, YouTube clone. This is some really interesting technology that this is on top of. So I'm very excited to do that interview. So I- exciting for uh, the, the nerds among us, uh, as, as well as the casual viewers of internet videos. All right. Aaron, thanks a lot. I'm going to have to tell people on the video that the video went out. And if they want to hear about who won the fourth turning, they're going to have to... Uh, uh, listen Tune to the, the podcast yeah, yeah yeah but um but i think it went pretty well uh and uh we'll get this uh we'll get this studio straightened out in no time absolutely all right have a great week everyone that's the show to support the local maximum sign up for exclusive content and our online community at maximum.locals.com the local maximum is available wherever podcasts are found if you want to keep up remember to subscribe on your podcast app Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.